Welcome back to TKW's draft season presented by TKW and Whistle Sports. I'm Jess Reinhardt, joined, of course, by my co-host, Nick. Nick, what's up? Not a whole lot. This draft is finally over after a very long time, and I'm excited to talk about everything. Yes, it is over. Um, And we are also joined by our fearless draft season once leader mike cortez mike what's up <laughs> what's up i have calmed down from the draft so excited to talk about it <laughs> you're, with you're feeling you're, you're feeling a little better yeah I, calmed little, down. I was little i thought i was gonna have to make like a wellness call or something <laughs> you right? had to. i've calmed down <laughs> and today we are also joined by a, a one at once time a, a draft season alum mr harley geffner what's up man What's going on? I'm ready for the uh, to watch some Knicks basketball again. It's been like nine months. I'm just like just about a month away from the start of the season. Um, I'm ready. Yeah, I'm just ready for basketball. College basketball starts in like five days. It's crazy. I'm ready for it. But uh, for this episode of draft season, we wanted to just kind of do a bit of a recap episode. Talk about what went down, how, how we're feeling about it, how we felt about it maybe in the moment versus now. Cause I think as Mike alluded to those feelings probably have changed a little bit. Uh, maybe it's us just convincing ourselves of good things to come. We, we will see. Um, so let's get into it. Uh, first, let's take a step back and on draft night or draft day, uh, we got the, the notification that the Knicks traded 27 and 38 to the Jazz for pick 23. Now, I know personally, I did not understand this. More so just because of timing. And like, I like that move if the draft's already going on and you know who is and isn't still on the board. I was just kind of confused why they were doing it then. Uh, Nick, what did you, how did you feel about this? Yeah, that was very concerning to me for the reason you said. I like that move. If there's somebody specifically available that you want, doing it so early, I didn't necessarily see the point. And it made me think that they had another move in play, specifically trading, trading up to go get higher into the lottery, which did not end up happening. And then the way they were able to flip it back, which we'll talk about in a minute, I I did end up liking the moves together. But at the time, I was was very confused, and it definitely signaled that they were trying to be pretty active on draft night to me. Yeah, I know. And I I think that's what was concerning. I'm glad glad you brought that up, that when they did get that 23, I think a lot of us were concerned that they'd try to package – some more stuff and and get higher into the lottery to maybe pick Obi. Yeah, the, the um, Obi at five 
the OBF five buzz was really strong on draft day. That that's what I had convinced myself they were going to do with trading with Cleveland. Right. Um, and we'll, we'll get into it, but I, I think we're, we're happy that didn't happen. Um, but and then let's fast forward a little bit just to get to the point of where, when the Knicks drafted again, which then they took that 23rd pick, traded it to the Wolves for 25 and 33. So altogether they took 27 and 38 and turned that into 25 and 33. Um, Harley, I would say, you know, looking at that, like that, that's a good draft day move, right? All in all, when you composite it all together. Yeah. I mean, to me, I was like, well, at first I was, I was pretty pissed off about the, uh, again, the possibility of trading up to five, but then we had that 23 and when we flipped that back, I was like, oh, it actually kind of made sense that they did it early. Cause then they like scooped up the demand for that. Cause like, you know, there's no reason the Wolves wouldn't have just done that for 23 with, um, with the jazz and we, and we would have been stuck exactly where we were. Um, so it actually, it made a little bit more sense to me after they made that move. Um, yeah, it was a good move as long as we had somebody in mind that we wanted to take at 25 and 33, I thought. Clearly, we had somebody that they wanted to take at 25. You know, yep. maybe that was the Kenny Payne connection, but they had someone in mind. They had their guy. And, you know, I'm not mad at them going after it. Um, but, yeah, all in all, I think it was in, it was definitely a good flip. We increased our draft spots, you know. And just to kind of give the landscape, that 23rd pick became Leandro Balmero, who – that goes to the Wolves. Um, and then 33 was Daniel Arturo, who was then traded in for a Clippers 2023 pick. Um, Mike, how did, how did we feel about, you know, getting that 25-33 and then just trading away 33? Okay, I've, I'm fine with quickly in a vacuum. I think they still could have gotten him at 33, but like Harley said, if they wanted him, by all means, but the 33rd mismanagement, I just don't get it. There are players on the board and I'm kind of more mad. They didn't push a little harder to get in front of Philly for Maxi because getting 23 early was smart. I do think up until the draft, they thought they were going to have to use it if they wanted to get Obi, but the Cavs spin cycle to get everyone off a of curl was pretty genius. They had this whole pitch of trading Kevin loves. They want to make Obi the new centerpiece. So they did a good job with that, but afterwards I feel like he could have got an extra player there mm-hmm. especially like Daniel Otero really yeah yeah I it was I, and I and we'll get into this a little bit later I get that the 2023 draft has some some shine to it right now for various reasons um but night of I just I just didn't get it I I don't know it, especially when it's going that far out, like who knows what's going to happen, but we'll get into that in a little bit. First, let's just, let's get into, let's get into the OB pick. So Obi falls to the Knicks at eight, which was pretty surprising. Um, it also could have been Denny, Nick. It could have been Denny. And like, I, I still don't know how to feel about that. I'm, I'm pumped about Obi. Pumped that he's like the hometown kid now. I didn't realize how close his hometown. Um, I don't know how to pronounce it. Ossining, I think. It's, yeah, Ossining. I yeah. looked. I looked it up. It's like it's like just a bit north of Terrytown, which is kind of cool. Like that's dope. He was like bawling, and I was like crying because of that. It's fine. It's just that's just <laughs> what happened all night. Um, 
But man, Nick, it could have been Denny. It could have been our number one boy. It, it could have been Denny. I would have loved Denny. I, I didn't really think it was going to be Denny. Now, the when I started realizing what was happening specifically with Okoro going to Cleveland, I knew it was either going to be or could have been either Denny or Obi. And at that point, I was pretty happy. Because mm-hmm. the concern and what we talked about specifically on our mailbag, Jess, of like all of those tier of guys being gone. Right. Which then leaves you to either you know, reach on Kira or Devin Vassell being the guy, um, guys who ended up going a little later in the lottery, which I, I would have been okay with one of those guys as well, but I was much happier to be Obi or, or Denny. I obviously I would have preferred Denny, but I, I love Obi not trading up to take Obi. I'm very happy about, I would have hated Obi at five if they gave up additional assets and only came away with him. Yeah. But getting, getting Obi standing tall at eight, if he was really there, their top guy, like you said, it's cool to see the the hometown kid. The jersey picture is great. Um, I'm not mad. He's exciting. I, I have some concerns on the fit, and I'm wondering why Julius Randle's still on the roster. But I, I like Obi. I'm happy with Obi. Harley, since we didn't really ha- we didn't have you on for earlier in draft season, um, how do you feel about Obi, both just like as a player and the fit with the Knicks? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have some concerns, but I mean, I also had concerns with RJ when we drafted him. And as soon as he drafted him, I'm like, all right, I'm going to try to ignore all of his weaknesses. And that's just <laughs> my boy now. Like he's on the Knicks. That's our guy. Like, you know, and I was like, and I will defend him against any and all analytics crowd, blah, blah, <laughs> you know. So I feel the same way about OB. You know, I was looking, you know, I did. I watched um, the game against Kansas at the Maui Invitational um, after we drafted him. So I was just like, all right, let me see what he's like full game against the best competition he played and then he got dominated by Azubuki on both ends that game dominated Mm -hmm. like he couldn't get like touches the guards couldn't get him the ball he couldn't like create enough space to like work out of the post where he wanted to work and he wasn't he had like real no like gravity on this vertical spacing because Azubuki was just dominating him and they were using him as the small ball five and Dayton didn't really have another big man to match up with Azubuki um but it really exposed all of his weaknesses. Like he was getting pushed off all of his spots. You know, he has those, you know, super duper high hips and really high center of gravity, which make it really hard for him to establish position. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be a real post threat unless he, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of just the way he's built. I'm not sure that he's, um, he can ever be a threat in the post. I mean, it seems like his main draw is, well, one, the dunking, which is going to be awesome at MSG. He's going to catch some bodies. I'm going to love that. Um, but it's the it's the vertical spacing and it's the idea that he could at some point become a pick and pop threat and sort of have that dual John Collins-esque type game where he can pop or he can roll and has gravity on both sides. I'm not sure that he's going to have shooting gravity in his first few years. And I think it probably tops out at like a Jeremy Grant level of shooting threat where like even if he does shoot like high 30s, 40%, he's still probably going to be pretty low volume. Um and, you know, volume is more of a threat than not, you know, I mean, obviously it's a balance, um, but volume is a much more threatening thing from space, from a spacing perspective than a guy who shoots two threes a game at 40% or whether you're, you know, shooting eight threes a game at 36% could be more valuable in terms of the way that people are guarding you. Um, so, I mean, I hope that spacing that comes along. I'm worried about the fit with, uh, with the Knicks generally. One, again, you mentioned Randall. Can we just wave him or something like <laughs> I know I was thinking about all these trade scenarios I was like man like can we just get rid of him can we just 
dump him. Like there are a lot of like solid vet power forward bigs left on the market still. And all the big names are off, but I mean. Maybe Detroit yeah. wants him because apparently yeah. Detroit I mean, wants all, all the bigs. Yeah. I mean, there's tons, there's tons of like, I mean, I saw Millsap, you know, Dario Saric, Jeff Green, Harry Giles, Juancho Hernan Gomez are all still all, all still available as free agents that can come pretty cheap. Um, I mean, to get rid of Randall, first of all. Um, but also, Obi and Mitch's strengths overlap. I mean, they both have that vertical threat, and that does create spacing, but not when they're on the floor together. So, I'm, I mean, I, I understand the idea that Mitch covers up for his defensive, um, you know, um, mishaps and everything. Um, which another, well, that was another reason I was not very high on taking him in the first place is that I just don't think, I mean, I'm not sure if you can get a trainer to work on like hip flexibility and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. but he has like the slowest hips I've ever seen. He, the mentally processing the game part, I think that improves with really good coaching. Um, when I watched him play, he looked lost. Like he was turning his head, like, where's my man? Oh no. Type of thing. Like really lost on coverages. I'm like that type of thing it can be coached into you, but something like, I don't know the way he moves his hips. Like, I think that's much harder to get him to be good at. Um, I just think, yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of drafting players who I don't think you can play super high leverage minutes um, generally. And like, you know, in the playoffs, he's going to be target. He's going to be target, not even in the regular season, they're going to target him. Um, and I'm just not a fan of drafting players like that, but He's going to yam all over people in the garden. He's a hometown kid. He's going to work. I mean, I have a feeling he's going to work really hard because he's so excited to play for the Knicks. Like, I really like guys who want to play here, you know, and not are, are not just coming because, like, we'll give them a quick bag. So if anyone's going to improve and, like, really want to improve and work hard on his game, it's going to be Obi. So I'm excited to see what Tibbs can do with him, whether he can instill a little bit of um, coverage knowledge in his head, you know, where I should be, when I when I should be there, that type of stuff. Wasn't a huge fan of the pick until we made it, and now I'm a huge Obi fan. <laughs> can can yeah, we talk I, a little more about the the Mitch the Mitch Obi fit? Because you brought it up every time you were saying something, I was going back and forth. I love it. I hate it. I love it. I hate it. Mm-hmm. There's there's so much to it. There's there's a lot of nuance here, depending on you know the Knicks being such a young roster with really so little future pieces at hand really now just being rj mitch and obi that you, that you really lean into the the fit with mitch i i keep talking myself into it and then i get really scared i also just there needs to be a point guard to be able to throw the lobs both of those guys needing you know the vertical spacing the the rolling the the lobs you you need a point guard to to run that and not sure where when that player will get to New York because it's it's not this year. And it, it's, next year the big draws are like the big wing creators more so than point guards. Right. Yeah, I mean obviously and I and I think that's why and we'll we'll get to it why we were a little disappointed later in the draft because like the Knicks still need a point guard (laughs) and they could have probably gotten one later later in the draft one of those guys that Nick and I have talked extensively about on draft season um and they still don't have one 
look, would I love for DSJ to have some sort of like resurgence and like whatever you want to call it, of course, but how can I even try to convince myself that that's going to happen after last year? Like, and then someone can try to tell me that Frank could be a point guard, but they're, I mean, unless they're drastically changing, like they didn't even play him at point guard last year. Like, I don't, I don't know. I think Frank's point guard days are done. I think the only way this does work because the swing skill for Obi seems to be his shooting. But for now, I think the plan is to run up and down the floor as much as you can avoid the half court because when they get into the half court, it's going to be very ugly, especially if Obi can't hit any type of jumper. Nick, can he have the potential to hit some mid range jumpers? I know it's not as optimal as being a three point shooter, but if he can just hit like that elbow mid range, I think that's, doable that just they just need a little bit more spacing for rj and then it doesn't become as ugly but if he can't shoot obi that is it's going to be kind of a redux of last year just with way worse shooting i think one of the interesting things about obi is he doesn't really take bad shots or at least he didn't in college he's pretty smart with with his offensive shot selection and I, I don't necessarily know how that will translate because that that does make you think like, you know, I don't know if he'll take a lot of mid-range shots. The I don't ever really see him becoming a high volume shooter. I, I believe in the jumper enough that I but the volume is a, a real concern for me in in regards to his his shooting. I think one of the things and you talked about uh, pushing a little bit. I think one of the most underrated things about Obi as a prospect and something that people haven't really talked about is he's a really good playmaker. So a very underrated passer. And I think that'll, as a kind of a, a tertiary playmaker, I think he'll, he'll be able to make some plays and be able to push tempo a little bit off the break in that way. So that, that is something that I think is exciting if they go that route. Bro, his jumper looks so flat. It's just like, it doesn't pass the eye test. It just doesn't. Like, I know he shot 39% in college um, on what 2.6 attempts, but it, it just doesn't pass the eye test. And yeah, when I watched him, I mean, he would miss by a lot when he missed. Like he would hit the bottom of the rim type of thing. Like he was, he was, he had some really bad misses. Um, I'm not high on his shooting at all. What if he flanked and made the corner threes his main residence? Because if he is a smart shot taker what if Thibodeau says okay you're going to run the floor and if you see the defense going towards the rim flare out to the corner I feel like that can be at least something you can work with I'm not a fan of him shooting above the break and I think that's a reason I would have went a little harder after Christian Wood because when we got Obi I think people just opened his sports reference page and saw he shot 39 percent and didn't look at the attempts so I think we still need to address outside shooting especially in the front court. I think one of the other things when looking at his shooting, especially with, you know, getting to the corner, he's got a very slow release and his numbers were significantly different when shooting contested and under pressure jumpers compared to open jumpers. And that along with the weird kind of release that, that Harley mentioned, those are all, all things for concern 
maybe, you know, we've seen plenty of guys be able to, you know, take the PJ Tucker route and just take corner threes. So maybe that ends up being the route for him, but there are, there are some questions. Some of the indicators are okay. Um, shot 50, 70% from the free throw line, not terrible, not a huge concern. I don't know. There, you could talk me into him being a, a decent shooter. You could talk me into him being a bad shooter. I don't know if you could talk me into him being a great shooter. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, again, I'm going to sound like a broken record and me just wanting the Knicks to have shooting. Um, but I, I do think they potentially alleviated it a little bit with their next pick. Um, and we can go back, back to OB if we need to, but just because we're talking about needing to open the floor and shooting, um, you know, with taking Emmanuel quickly at 25, I mean, that, that definitely helps. Like you can't deny that, uh, 43% from three this past year on almost five attempts a game, um, SEC player of the year now and 92% from the line. Now I did just watch a quick, like empty gym workout video of him and I see the numbers, but man, I don't know if I like, his shot is nice, but it starts very low, and that's always concerning to me. But, hey, if it goes in, it goes in. I won't complain too much. Um, I, I saw like, that video. I saw that video, Jess, and I saw a lot of people hyping it up on, on Nick's Twitter, and maybe it's just because I'm so incredibly low on, on quickly as both a prospect and at this pick. But if that's the only thing he can do, which as of right now, that's still my opinion, you got to look better in the open gym. That didn't impress me. It, it, it's just like, I don't know, it, Harley and Mike, if you saw it, it's just like very slow and like he catches the ball very low. And again, if it goes in great, I just, I don't know. I need, I, I'm going to need to be convinced, but Mike, he's a Kentucky boy. So I'm, I'm trusting that you're going to try to convince us. Yeah, no, he is a good player. He's not. This is not. I, I was angry on draft night, just of the spot he was taken, and who I feel he like was taken over. Yeah, who he was taken over. He's taken over Tyrell Terry, Desmond Bain, and I, I just don't. I don't know. I just wasn't a fan. I rather just had Balmero for the stash. So all of that kind of made me upset with the pick. As a player, though, he's exactly what the roster needs: shooting. Now, Kentucky Calipari went with a three-point guard look which was kind of wild in retrospect but it worked and a big reason it worked is quickly was dead, a dead eye shooter maxi struggled a lot ashton Higgins was never really a shooter quickly was the sniper but so was malik monk with De'Aaron fox and malik monk was considerably better than quickly coming out of college so i can't i feel like monk kind of ruined my outlook on guards that can shoot and not do much else coming out of kentucky but I'll be pleasantly surprised. Jonathan Wasserman used Landry Shamit as a comp, and I kind of see that because, A, Shamit – I think believe Shamit did play with Baker and Van Vliet, if I'm not mistaken, right, at Wichita. And uh, if he, yeah. he, he did, right? I'm pretty sure he did. Either way. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I get the comp. I understand it. If that happens to be true, which is yet to be determined, the statistics 
back it up, but still has to prove itself. If that proves to be true, that's a solid pick. I'm still upset about the fumbling, but this is somebody we need at the roster. Hey, also his free throw rate was like actually elite. Like he got to the line a lot at Kentucky and people are oh, kind yeah. of ignoring that part of his game and talking about him just as a, as a shooter. What was it? I'm looking at it right now. It is 47.471 was his free throw rate, which is incredible. Like that means that he was really, really barreling into dudes at the rim and getting those calls and knocking them down at a very consistent rate. So I don't know. I see him being a secondary attacker. I mean, you know, more tertiary attacker, but, um, I think that if they run him off his spots, he's really good at like relocating. One thing I really liked about his game, I watched a good amount of Kentucky this year. And one thing I really liked is that he got into open space really well. Like he had a really good feel for how to rotate on the perimeter. Like if a guy was driving, like he would get himself open or, I mean, he would be open already, but he would like relocate to make the pass easier for the dude who's driving. Um, So he was really good at finding those open spaces with his little pump fake, um, I'm not sure that people at the NBA level will bite as hard on that pump fake, but he had a lot of moves where he did that like one dribble pump fake and take like a mid-range shot. And he was really good at those. Um, but, you know, I mean, if his shooting gravity, you know, stays true, people will have to respect that. Um, also, I think, I mean, I guess he's a little undersized, but I mean, he still has, you know, for a two at least, um, but he does have that six, eight and a quarter wing. I think it's six, eight and a quarter, something like that. Um very strong wingspan, like plus five wingspan, pretty much. Um, and usually at the end of high leverage games, who is guarding the best player? You know, and on a team with Higgins and um, and Maxi, who are both like very good point of attack defenders, they had quickly guarding the other team's best guards down the stretch of most games. And to me, that says something. That means they trust him in those high leverage defensive moments at the point of attack. Um, I don't think he was a great team defender yet, but again, we hope that Thibodeau can instill that in him. But I actually think that it was a good pick. I mean, as much as I wanted Bain and I was falling in love with other guys, you know, I was pretty much in love with Bain and Terry um, at that spot. I really, really wanted them to move up, you know, even drop a, a, you know, a 2023, 2022 second round pick or something to move up just two spots to get Maxi. Um, I don't know, though. I mean, I think Philly was probably so in love with Maxi that it might not have been enough even to move up those two spots. Um, I think they were so thrilled that Maxi fell there. But listen, we have, you know, Kenny Payne saw that he was a coachable dude. I trust him. Um, I trust his read on him that he had a read on him for that. He was there for two years with him. Uh, he said, this is a guy we got to go with it. And if you trust the guys that you put in power, um, then you make that call and that's your guy. You, you go to 25 and you take him. So I'm, I actually wasn't on draft that I was upset. We didn't take Bain at that spot. Um, that was my main target, but Hey, he provides a lot of what we need. I just hope he actually gets some playing time. That is gravity gives him that gives him real playing time this year and that we don't go out and get someone like Kent Bazemore to absorb all the two minutes of the two. Yeah. I, so let's let's kind of take a step back and look at the draft as a whole, just because we are talking a lot about guys, at least in the moment we were we were I would say we were disappointed at that 25 pick just because, again, of who was still on the board. Um, so I know for me, just like. Trying to think back quickly for who I thought were having the best draft nights. Um, 
I mean, it was the Pistons until they got drunk as soon as free agency started and are just picking up all these big dudes. But with getting uh, Killian, Isaiah, and Sadiq, like three of probably the most talked guys on draft season this year, like that, I feel like that was the most draft season draft of a team. Um, and then other than that, you know, between like I was saying before we came on, like Grizzlies, Mavs, and Sixers, between the three of them, they got Bain, Xavier Tillman, Killian Tilly. That's where the Grizzlies. Mavs got Josh Green, who we didn't really talk about much, but also got Tyrell Terry and Tyler Bay. Sixers with Maxie, Isaiah Joe, and Paul Reed, again, who we didn't talk about much, but I do like for how late he went and just like for his defensive ability. That was really good. Um, Mike, who were some of your like just overall, like who do you think had the best draft night? Dallas, for sure. I think even with Porzingis on the men, they're in great shape because you have Luca controlling everything. And now he can look to his right and see Josh Green, Tim Hardaway, look to his left, see Tyrell Terry. I mean, who else? Maxi Kleber. He can he has shooters all around him. And they got and, who? and they got Bay. Yeah, and then you have Bay as a defender. Yeah, exactly. So they had a lot of players that I was high on in general. So mm-hmm. I think they were put themselves in a position where they're going to be their floor is probably where they were last year, a seventh seed in the West. And their ceiling is <laughs> the sky, really, because if Porzingis comes back and looks really good, you have a great supporting cast now around him. And I feel like that's where the Knicks should have leaned into more shooting. And I'm really excited about Terry. I want to see what he turns into for them because I really thought with Obi, if you add another guy that can absolutely shoot that you're sure can shoot and also fill that point guard need, I feel like that's a win-win. Yeah. Harley, who was, did you have a specific team or couple teams you really liked as a whole from draft night? You already know what I'm going to say. It's the Grizzlies. It's like <laughs> draft Twitter's favorite team in the world. Who Jackson Hoy is probably behind the scenes pulling all those strings. Like, <laughs> Trust me, you are trading this pick and you are getting Desmond Bain. Like, look at my track record, bro. Like, but yeah, I mean, they started the, the night with the 40th pick. That was it. That was and it. They had one pick in the second round. One pick in the second round. And they ended up with Desmond Bain, who was like top 15 for me. They ended up with Xavier Tillman, who is just like, I would have been very happy with Xavier Tillman at 33. Um, Xavier Tillman was was awesome last year, actually. I mean, he was he's a versatile big. I think that was great, a great pick. Um, I do love that he's rejoining Jaron Jackson Jr. also. Yes. That Michigan oh, my State, God. Uh, oh, that Michigan State connect. Do you guys follow Jaron Jackson on Instagram? I do not. I heard yeah, it's I a do. good one, though. I heard it's a great follow. Dude, he was so funny with with when when uh when Tillman got drafted. Like he was going off. It was one of those stories that you have to click through like a hundred. Like the docs are so small because <laughs> there's so many stories like lined up. Yeah. But yeah. it was just it was just highlights and highlights, and he was just watching him go. Oh, that's my boy. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at him go. <laughs> like it was amazing. Like that was that was my one of my favorite picks of the night. Just to in order to see Jaren's response. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Nick? Speaking of college reunions they also took killian tilly as an undrafted free agent did they yeah yeah wow okay i'll I'll, just i'm changing my answer is the (laughs) memphis grizzlies a thousand percent i'm so happy john moran's there they're just 
Tilly was someone we talked about as having one of the highest floors in the draft if he's able to stay healthy. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I love Tilly. I've, I've long said if without the health issues, he's a lottery pick. And yeah. they got him undrafted. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely love that. Getting those three guys with only starting out with the 40th pick of the draft is unbelievable. And as you were saying, Nick gets uh, reunited with, with Brandon Clark, who everyone knows I love and adore. So, uh, yeah. That's a really great core, man. That is – with After only having one pick, like, I just – it's just incredible to me. Incredible to me. Smart teams do smart things. Yeah. They're, they're Jaron and, um, and Tilly – at the start, you know, the starting four and five, and then uh, Tillman and Brandon Clark as the backup four or five potentially is going to just run the league for the next 10 years. Like, that's <laughs> they have such a great rotation. Uh, they have an incredible big man rotation, like, really unbeatable. And again, dreams were made in draft Twitter. <laughs> and P.S., they have Jock. So, <laughs> yeah. And they've signed Melton, too, who's a beast that Melton doesn't get talked about. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, That's a great time to like wing guard guys like on the on the perimeter like they still have Dylan Brooks too like they got the off thick boy team. All right, I'm calling <laughs> it now. They're gonna end up with Usman next year somehow, some way. He's just gonna end up there because that's like the last thing they kind of really need. <laughs> just to complete the circle. Yeah, and they have Justice Winslow too, which kind of just flew under the radar. Damn. Yeah, so they're just loaded with players that are worth being exciting excited about. And all under 25, like, it's, yeah. Yeah. Great situation. I feel like if, like, someone came up to me who was, like, maybe, like, a younger NBA, like, just getting in the NBA and was like, oh, who should I watch? Like, here, let me gift you the Grizzlies. Have fun for the next 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nick, is there any – I actually have an idea of a team that we haven't talked a lot about, but – but fits your mold. I don't know if you'll come up with this, but is there any other team that uh, comes to mind for you that had a no, good draft night? No, I feel the pressure to to get that team right. <laughs> it's all I'm right. Looking. What's the I'm what's actually, the type of I'm player like, that is like Nick's bread and butter? Any international player. So you're gonna say OKC with poker? There, yeah, <laughs> Harley just hit it in the in the Zoom chat. <laughs> <laughs> I. I it's it's so hard to talk about what OKC did without talking about all of what OKC is doing. I don't know what OK I don't know who's on OKC. I don't know what's happening. Everyone is. Everyone will see. OKC for me personally put together one of the most watchable teams in the NBA (laughs) this year and are still going to be in the Cade conversation. Just naturally, they're going to be pretty bad and in the lottery. Plus. They have a thousand assets, which I don't know if anyone should should be willing to part with. With number one thousand isn't even an exaggeration either. They have one thousand assets. It, it really feels like that way. Plus, they took who I refer to on on draft season as the guy with the highest ceiling in, in this draft in Poku. Um, Maladon looked like he was a secret service agent, and I loved every second of it. Unbelievable. Stuff from Poku, great energy. Um, <laughs> Maladon, I I've gone back and forth as like this combo guard prospect on where I stand on him, but I think putting him with SGA should be really fun. Yeah, that was actually yeah. my like draft comp. Like I think I tweeted that out like a few weeks before the draft. I was like, "Yo, 
watching Theo Maladon tape, it reminds me a lot of SGA. Like he has that similar sort of funk to his game, yeah. that offbeat, that off rhythm stuff. So to have him, so for one to have, um, to have SGA learn from Chris Paul last year, and then now now to have SGA learn together with Theo, like this is just that's going to be a, you're right, it's going to be an awesome team to watch. They have somehow, I mean, Horford actually makes sense for their team. Like he's going to set awesome picks, <laughs> space the floor. Like, I don't know how much he actually has left, like, as a great defender he has left, but, like, he and is just, like, a, a veteran presence, right? Presence, yeah. And really, when I have, like, young guards that I want to, who especially who are crafty, you want a guy who's really good at setting screens. And not only is Horford just, like, a big body physically, but he's really good with the angles of the screens. Yeah. He's really good at, you know, knowing when to flip the screens and just having those two work with Horford, I think, is going to be really, really fun to watch. Yeah, and, and I like the, the SGA comp for Maladon because one of the big critiques or flaws of Maladon is like he's not a great athlete. He's not explosive. And in Europe, he's been able to – he's very crafty and is able to, to find other ways to get to the basket. And I think that's a, you know, a great learning partner for SGA. As we're just kind of uh, recapping the draft as a whole – can we talk about Patrick Williams going four? I was just about to bring this up. How did you guys feel about it? Because, Nick, you mentioned it before the draft. I didn't not believe you, but it just felt weird just because of what the Bulls already had. And I knew him and even Jalen Smith was kind of a little bit of a surprise for me. Yeah. But I knew once Smith uh, Williams went four, all hell was going to break loose, and sure enough, it did. I think the thing about the the Patrick Williams pick in Chicago is Chicago simultaneously needs nothing and everything. They're pretty locked in with a five of, of white Levine Porter Markin and Carter, except they have to move some of these guys. And there's been rumors of, of Porter or Markin and or Carter now or Levine. I mean, they could move any of them and they could upgrade going forward on all of them, but also they have, them all kind of in place that they've either put a lottery pick towards or put a decent amount of money towards. It's just, they're a weird team. I, I don't personally love Patrick Williams. I, I don't trust, and maybe this is just the Knicks fan in me that I don't trust these kind of guys of like, well, they didn't do anything yet, but they have the tools to put it together to do stuff. And I know those picks turn out for, for other teams. They just don't ever work out for the Knicks. Well, the Bulls also fit into the Knicks that, yeah. basket so, of lack of development. They haven't really, who have they really developed? Right. So I, I don't love that pick at four, but he's really young, has a ton of potential and upside. So for a team that, again, is just kind of in this weird purgatory sense, I, sure, why not? Did y'all see the video of him running, running pickup, uh, scrimmage or whatever? That no, was incredible. I mean, I, as, as much as I don't really trust those videos, I do watch a lot of them. <laughs> uh, it's still fun to watch. Yeah, I just I like watch all these guys like running pickup, like uh, you know, through the whole offseason, whatever. But I mean, Patrick Williams looked incredible. I mean, he was hitting like off the dribble pull up threes with ease and like real, you know, he had that yeah that one lefty skip pass out of like an advanced dribble move, and you're like, what? where did this come from? I'm like, I loved FSU, but they do hide a lot of player strengths. Um, he actually like in that video as you know, as weak and anecdotal as it is, 
he looked like he could create as a three as opposed like I was thinking that he really is more of a four but he looked like he could actually be like a playmaking like a big three like I'm not talking skill level wise but just like body wise and positionality like Kawhi um use him in that you know that he could actually like create for himself would be insane because I mean FSU obviously suppresses self-creation to a degree and that's why I was so high on actually Vassell potentially being able to develop into a creator as well um but yeah um I actually thought it was a great pick I, th- I think that he's too super moldable um and yeah I was I was higher on him after seeing after seeing that that you know that little pickup game clip but I was just like he didn't even show any of these skills at FSU I never saw him hit like you know and it was not it's not an, it's not an empty gym right it's five on five running with NBA guys like and he's hitting he's pulling up in people's faces and everything and hitting these skip passes you're like oh wait a minute I think he was probably hiding a lot of stuff at FSU those videos don't piss me off the videos that do are well like when they're with their trainer doing like a quick pass and they sprint to the corner hit a wide open three and everyone just like puts eye emojis and like oh he's in the lab those are the <laughs> videos that like I put zero stock in but five on five I think is decent enough to like get excited about have you seen the video, Mike? I have not. I'll send it to you. But it, yeah, send it, it, it was a little eye-opening. Um, he had moments at FSU. He had moments where he was like, I remember there was one play where he had on the defensive side, he did what Bam does for Miami where he kind of guards four people at once with just like the way he positions his body. And then on the offensive end, he got the ball like in the mid-range, did like a nice little two-step and then fade away mid-range. I was like, oh shit, that was pretty dope. But that's it was like I said it was in little flashes I mean I've always believed in the athleticism and the defense with him I think what I liked from that video and again I'm not putting that much stock in it but I'll put a little bit of stock in it was the ball handling if his dribble moves are a legit weapon that is really going to change his game to what he can look like and and I don't know if he's a three or a four the NBA is weird and Chicago again is weird I I think I see him running both you know run him in a maybe make him a small ball five for all I care get weird I mean he's got potential and for a team like Chicago in a draft like this sure you bringing up just Chicago's uh roster right now reminded me that for a minute there was that rumor about trading trading up uh for the bulls with including wendell carter and like so that's when like the the denny to the warriors dream was still alive at at one point um you know obviously the the warriors stayed at two took james wiseman but i also like the two other picks that they did as well your your boy jessup go broncos and nico Mannion, who obviously there was a lot more hype to him going into his freshman year, Arizona. But I mean, he can't be put in much better situation than going to Golden State right now. So I'm really interested to see how he's able to develop there. And then with Jessup staying in. Happened to Mannion. Sorry to interrupt, but maybe Harley and Nick, since you guys are more West Coast, how did he become the third player taken from Arizona when I feel like he was safely projected top 15 heading into the college year? I think his shooting tailed off. I mean, his form always passed the eye test. He always looked like a great shooter. 
Um, but also as the season progressed, we realized, oh wait, he takes zero attempts at the rim and he's shooting 27% or something from three, like over like a long stretch of games. And you're like, wait a minute. I thought this was guy, this guy was going to be like an ultra elite passer who can shoot at a really high level, you know, essentially dribble pass shoot um, type of guy, but the shooting abandoned him. And if he doesn't have shooting, then he has no gravity to get to the rim. And even with his at least good, I, I feel like sometimes form is more important than uh than percentage when it comes to the way people close out on you, like the way people have respect for you. Like, unless you're making like Jaron Jackson level, like weird form, but still hitting 41% of your threes to the point where teams like, Oh, he just hit eight on us. We have to close out on him like hard but like people see a pretty shot and they're like oh I don't want to let a guy who shoots that that who looks that good get open shots so he did even with that shooting gravity that he had with this you know pretty low percentage he still couldn't leverage that to get to the rim at all in college and I think that's where the concern came in that it was a bigger sample size of bad shooting and of him not being able to get to the rim a little bit of a jack of all trades master of none kind of prospect gotcha of like he just didn't put together the skills that he has and projected to to do just didn't ever really get there in college i don't hate him for the value of that pick i think you know with guys especially on one year this was a super weird year anyway but just in general a guy like nico Mannion or cole anthony that had a lot of hype and buzz for a reason due to the raw talent coming out of high school with an underperforming year one in college you know different situations different coaching doesn't always work I don't ever mind taking a risk on those guys if if you still believe in the potential yeah and I'm glad I mean I know we've talked about Cole Anthony a lot maybe not necessarily on the pod but just like in the TKW slack and stuff and you know, I uh, to see him drop to 15 wasn't surprising. I think he could have – I mean, there was potential he was going to be dropping even more. So, hopefully he can, you know, go to the Magic and, and figure some stuff out. Um, I mean, I'm just looking at the draft board right now. Kira to the Pelicans. That's, that's pretty it. beautiful. That's pretty beautiful. Are we still worried about Cole going to, like – an equally bad spacing team is uh, who on the magic is really spacing the floor for him. That was the problem with North Carolina. Mm. I mean, I don't know. Ross and Evan Fournier are the only two on the team who can shoot. Yeah. And I don't even know if I know Fournier is staying, but I, I think isn't Ross a free agent soon. Like either way, that's like, yikes. Yeah. Interested to see Halliburton in Sacramento. Definitely. Definitely interested to see what's up with that. Shout out Fox for getting that. That uh, what do you max deal? Yes, sir. Man, I was so low on Halliburton in certain situations and so high on him in other situations. I'm like, yo, if he goes to the Spurs, he's gonna be an incredible pick. If he goes to the Knicks, he's gonna be terrible. But mm-hmm. playing off of Fox's the gravity that Fox has is going to be big for him. I think it's actually a great pick for the Kings. Yeah. It's funny. Like, what'd you say, Nick? They're going to play fast. <laughs> yeah. The passing, I'm, I'm so into the passing. I, I agree exactly with Harley. I would have hated Halliburton for the Knicks, 
I think he's a guy that's a, an unbelievable role player in the right fit. But playing playing off Fox is going to be a ton of fun. Uh, quick Woj bomb. Uh, Rondo's going to the Hawks. Wow. So the Hawks are making a move. They got Gallo and now they have Rondo. Yeah. Vince Carter was right. <laughs> Vince Carter was right. Uh, that was incredible. Everyone's like, what you talking about, bro? <laughs> that was incredible. But also, I don't know if you all of you saw the clip or not. I literally went to clip it to like rewatch it. But he like held his phone up to the screen and was like, according to reliable sources, but his screen, it looked like it was like a black screen with just like one white box in the middle. And I just got a lot of like Kelly Rowland using Excel to text vibes from it. I was like, what is actually on your screen right now, Vince Carter? Because it doesn't look like text. <laughs> I don't know if you're just making this up. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> or he just has some like I, uh, I always... privacy screen or something on. I don't know. I always kind of trust a guy that was just with an organization for the last like four years to know what the organization is doing or have some sources within the organization. Oh, for sure. For sure. It was just the way he like held up his phone and was, it was just, I was like, I don't even, that doesn't even look like a real phone screen. I don't know what's happening right now. I, I guess this would officially mean, mean Atlanta's out of the bogey uh, running. What was the deal? How much do they, how much are they paying Rondo? Um, the one year deal? Two-year, 15 mil. Yeah, so seven. Not bad. It's not, like, going to kill they them. They probably don't have enough for bogey now because they, yeah. they had 23 left. Nick should be all over bogey. And that was – they got – Bogey want to play uh, in New York. Nobody wants to play too. in New York. No, but I think he wants to make a lot of money and could get traded to a contender if the things are right. So, I don't know. I feel like bogey could get a lot – like, the Knicks need – they still need a top score. They don't have a top score. That's – Probably the bigger issue other than point guard. They Can we just talk have... about who left on the free agent market we think would be the Knicks should be going after right now? Yeah. Let's do it. Um, yes, do you have any thoughts? Not off the top of my head. I'm going to be straight with you, Harley. Not going to even make <laughs> I don't know who's here, who's gone. Uh, Bogey for I'm sure. Trying to... Who else? I really think to... they're going to make the biggest thing. Biggest move is going to be via trade. Like, I have a feeling we're going to be like, wow, they didn't sign anybody. And then it's like, welcome to New York, Russell Westbrook. Oh, man. Stop it. And that's what I don't want it to happen. And I know I sound stupid for not wanting Russell Westbrook, but I don't want Russell Westbrook. Nobody wants Russell You do not sound stupid. You actually sound quite the opposite. No, because I was talking to my friends who don't, like, follow hoops. Like, they follow hoops, but not enough to get angry at the stuff that we would get angry about. And they were like, what are you, crazy? Russ would be fired oh, in the garden. I was like, right. Yeah, I so this is this is kind of what I've told. I think I've told Nick, and I think I've put something in just the general TKW Slack. It's like, so for, for me, right, I'm not this, like, live and breathe Knicks, right? I just like basketball. I got to be on the Knicks wall, like, just as, you know, basically it was something to do when I was in Missouri and no one cared about basketball who was around me and I needed something, right? So for me, like as a little bit of an outside perspective, like if I could go see Russ play two or three times at the garden, like every couple months, like I'm, I'm kind of in for it because I just want fun basketball in New York. Like, and I get, I get the, the issues that come with him. I, and I, 
and the contract and everything like that. But like at is very surface level for like you're saying like fans that aren't super into it but just want to watch basketball like at at first glance gonna be like hell yeah let's just bring Russ. But did I see something about KCP potentially coming? I think he's just leveraging right now. Uh, us and the Lakers. Are yeah, so. there, there was also some slight buzz that there would be a, a bogey sign and trade to the Lakers for KCP. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, mm. I'm looking at the top free agents now. I find a little weird. Brandon Ingram hasn't been mentioned at all. I don't think New Orleans is going to move on from him, but he also hasn't signed his max deal. I know he's restricted, so they can match. But I don't know. It's just a little weird to me that he hasn't been mentioned. I know. I've, I think it was. There's all the other top guys are gone. I'm looking. I think I'm it was uh, it was probably Reddick's pot. Yeah, Reddick had Jason Tatum on, uh-huh. and they were talking about Brandon Ingram because obviously it's the Duke connection. Well, for all three of them, and then, um, uh, Ingram and Reddick being on the Pelicans, and both of them said just like how quiet of a dude Brandon Ingram is, like, not, and it's not like like hardly says anything so i'm just imagining my head that like it's not that nothing's like happening it's just like he literally is just like i'm chilling i'm good like i'm going back but nothing needs to be said like that's (laughs) just what i'm imagining happening right now but i got um i mean does shabazz napier do anything for anyone (laughs) like i he's like one of the first he's a quarter puerto rican so i mean like technically i'm gonna so so right he's got that going for him right there and that spirit shout out to mo harkless getting that free agent contract with the heat i hope he does well there yeah that was solid for him yes sir the the knicks are in a weird and good for in my opinion good place now because they didn't do anything stupid right and it's pretty much too late for them to do anything too stupid. I got freedom. duped so hard by a guy that was faking Mark Berman. It's so easy to dox, uh, dupe somebody being Mark Berman because he's not verified. And his at looks like one of ours where it's like an underscore. Mm-hmm. So someone got me really good. They had Michael Kidd Gilchrist to New York three years, 41 mil. And I like I had like, sh- that shooting pain of from my... <laughs> from my brain all the way down to my feet i was like what the fuck we haven't talked about burks good signing i I was gonna bring burks up during the quickly conversation because that's a little concerning for me but i I like the burke signing six mil i mean burks is fine it's not moving the needle but it's 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 a player that can play basketball which the knicks desperately need yeah shooting is good we all agree that you need to surround RJ and Mitch both with there shooters. There's so. left on the market. Um, we have Juan Hernan Gomez is a free. I think that what I, I actually kind of like. I mean, you said that you guys liked it too, but that we didn't spend any money yet. We're the only we're one of the only teams that has any cap space left, so we have all of the leverage now, like yeah. all of the leverage with any mm-hmm. of these guys that we want to talk about. But I like Juan Hernan Gomez a lot for the Knicks. I think well, that if okay. we could. Um, get Randall like if we can get rid of Randall somehow um and have I think he's gonna get traded I still think he's gonna be part of that whatever deal whether it's Russ Oladipo John Wall's name starting to pop up whatever big contract they look to absorb I think Randall and Reggie Bullock who was the only one who had his team option picked up I think those guys are gonna be gone not 
yet, but like at some point before the start of the season. I hope so. But we also have Dario Saric still available. Um, Dario and Swan have pretty similar skill sets. Um, Dario's a little bit more of a ball handler. Um, but I like those two guys for us. Um, yeah, I like Nick Dario. Nick Batum was just waived. Um, I know that Nick Batum is like, I don't know what happened to Nick Batum. I think it was Zach Lowe who said he aged 40 years in the span of two. But, um, <laughs> but at the same time, he is like a veteran presence who's kind of a do-it-all type of guy at a position of need for us, unless we want to play Knox a bunch. And theoretically a good shooter. And theoretically a decent shooter. Yeah, good. I mean, was a good shooter. Dropped, dropped like 12 percentage points last year for some some odd reason. Mm-hmm. But theoretically, he was like a 40% shooter like two years ago. We might ago, so. get him for like two by four, like like a, like, you know, a four, four million for, or eight million for two years. Um with the team option on the second year or something. Again, we have all the leverage when it comes to any of these negotiations. We're one of the only teams that has any money left. I, yeah, like I think that's a great point. I, yes. Is he a free agent? Oh, yeah, sorry, I mean, go, yeah, go ahead, Nick. I, I think the leverage point is important because I – look, I am quite tired of playing for free agency when no one's going to come in free agency. But at this point, there should be no long-term deals – it should all be, you know, one and one team options, similar to last year. Take some flyers on on some young guys. Uh, Shaq Harrison, I would like to see. That's just a guy I like personally. Take some some veterans like Batum that you know you can just get for for nothing. Some shooters and round out the roster that way. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I think the main thing that they have to do this year, the main difference from last summer, which was not a bad idea on its face, is the problem is that they sign guys that they plan to play 30 minutes a night. If they just sign veterans with the thought of playing RJ, Mitch, Obi now, and then even quickly, prioritizing those minutes and Frank as well, and Dennis Smith, prioritize all those minutes first, push those guys to the front, see what you got. And then, like I said, 2021, I guess we can, if you guys want to shift to that too, the top half of that draft is lovely on its face. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I feel like we've been talking about Cade for like two years now, right? Yeah, I think it started when me and Harley spoke to Cole Zwicker. He mentioned Cade and I knew loosely of him and then I started following him and now I just can't think of him going anywhere else. <laughs> um hero games next year and somehow end up with the fifth pick <laughs> <laughs> which the fifth but the fifth pick here could get you boston bj boston like that's how loaded the top of the 2021 draft looks right now i don't think anything would shock me more than the knicks hitting in the lottery on a cade year like a like a true generational talent type of player just will not go to the knicks in the lottery i i would nothing would surprise me more I mean, but I think you're right. There's enough guys in this draft that get five, get BJ Boston. I am thrilled. Yeah. Jonathan Kaminga, thrilled. Jalen Green, thrilled. Suggs, thrilled. Scotty Barnes. Yeah. I mean, the, and the interesting thing about, you know, this upcoming class is the addition to, of this, these G league teams or team, um, you know, with someone like Jalen Green, just seeing seeing how that um, turns out and seeing what we're able to 
pick up about about those different guys um, not playing in college but playing for this this G League team is definitely going to be interesting. Um, and also with the college guys, like, and this might be a thing for the G League also, it's like I feel like every day there's a new college team going on quarantine or something. So just having to balance, like, probably going to – it's going to be less games um going to be less games that we see see from some of these teams i mean i wouldn't be surprised if at some point like it's only going to be mainly uh all league games even some of these preseason like mtes are getting canceled or moved um it, it in terms of draft uh watching for the draft like it's, it's obviously going to be different, just like everything else is in 2020. We also talked a lot this year about guys whose draft uh, draft prospect was hurt by not being able to play in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Guys, that's a place where you get a national stage, you get a lot of eyes on you, and, and guys can really rise or fall because of that. We have no idea what the NCAA tournament will look like. I mean, it might just be a couple high school gyms in, in, in India at this point. It it's going to be weird and that's going to affect how we're looking at the draft hundred percent next year. I just love that the NCAA draft got canceled. The year Rutgers was good. That's just. <laughs> the NCAA. Yeah. Uh, hey, those, those high school gyms in Indy are pretty dope. So, uh, and I think they'll still use like Butler and maybe assembly hall or something, which would, I mean, I, I love, I like that idea as long as it works and it's safe and all of that. Uh, it could be, it could turn out pretty dope. Um, We'll see. And uh, also, I just want to mention, because these 2023 picks keep coming up, because that's something that the Knicks traded for on draft night. You know, originally people were saying 2021, then it was 2022. And now people are saying 2023 will be that quote unquote double draft where you could potentially be picking from guys who are both one and dones and coming right out of high school, um, which is definitely interesting. And obviously a lot of teams are putting stock in those picks as well, which will help determine what's happening with with more trades and things like that down the line. Um, It's just, it's interesting. I just wanted to mention that. How many guys do we think will actually declare right out of high school? Because I mean, like you said, like when we were talking previously, you're like, everyone's calling it a double draft. But maybe what is it like? Maybe ten tops, tops, tops. Yeah, maybe yeah. of guys who are going to come out of high school. So maybe it'll be expanded a little bit. Like a a thirty fifth pick in that draft could be, you know, the equivalent of a thirtieth pick in a normal draft. But I mean, it's not it's not a double draft. Double draft implies that you're getting you know an an extra pool, a huge pool of players. Right? I just don't think there are going to be that many people that are committing. Um, yeah. I agree. Go to the draft, anyways. That's why it's a little weird that the Knicks are. What'd you say, Mike? No, I'm just saying that's why it's a little weird that I mean, right now, with the Ed Davis trade, I believe the Knicks have four 2023 second round picks. Mm -hmm. So clearly, they have that year, whether it's the draft or free agents to be. I haven't really looked. I know Devin Booker's going to be available around that time of the year, but I don't really know what the focus is for 2023 i know it's three years away from now and maybe that's the hope of when the players they're taking now is gonna 
start to come into their own form. Maybe that's what this all is, but it's a little something to keep in mind. What happened? We trade. (laughs) Emily Bates is going to be in the 2023 draft, it looks like. Oh, that's Uh, what. Okay. That makes sense then. But I mean, if the top is really heavy, can we just trade? You know, we are going to have our own first round pick. We're going to have the Dallas 2023 first, and we're going to have four seconds. If our own, you know, first round pick is like, five or six or something can we move up to like two or one or two or something like that with our gluttony of picks plus a future another future year maybe they're just angling to get as many assets in that draft as possible assuming that's the ME draft yeah yeah just yeah we, we, we gotta hope that we would hope that a team that doesn't really need baits lands at one because i think trading for one especially like next year and in the year baits is there it's gonna be really tough that's true yeah, I would be like trying to try, trying to convince the Pelicans to trade out of the one spot when Zion was there. Yeah, like that's that was a tall task. Sham says Millsaps going back to Denver, one year, yes. ten mil. I'm kind of I think I'm blaming Denver for this positionally ambiguous stuff the NBA is getting into now because I think Nick or Harley said that he could probably play the three, Patrick Williams. And I feel like that's not off base. And my fear is the Knicks are going to do that with Obi now, where like if he looks bad at the four, like, oh, let's slide him down to the three a little bit. He'll be bigger than a lot of guys. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't like that. Trying to guard threes. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, that'll be even worse. Yeah, I know. Trying to guard anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry. No, that's my guy. I got to stop shooting on him. (laughs) Hey, I. I think their valid concerns. I, I like that you brought up like his like, I think you call it like his like high center of gravity. Like I can never explain it. It's just like he moves weird. Like his body type is very weird. And I know he grew a lot in like he was still growing when he got to Dayton, and it feels like like all that height was literally just in his legs. Like and it's just like he's just like a very <laughs> like you know what I'm like I don't know like yeah. I can't even explain when I'm watching him play like. And he says like the slow hips and stuff. I don't know. It's I it's saw on Twitter. What you on say, Twitter, Mike? on Twitter, him and Amari have like very eerily similar backgrounds in terms of like the rapid height growth mm-hmm. at the similar time in their lives. I just found that really interesting. Like it's uncanny how similar him and Obi have growth spurts around the same time, affecting how they've played up until this point. And one thing I did want to mention, because I went back and listened to when Nick, Mike, and Joe Nardone and I talked about Obi, probably not for the first time, but it was one of the first draft season pods, like back in March, uh, when we really started getting Obi and Nick was about to drop his Obi piece. I mean, he went from a no star guy, literally zero star guy to eighth pick in the NBA draft and I get you can't put stock in that in terms of like a like skill but I I can't help but like love those types of guys and I feel like you can like at least look at that as as a plus and just I forget who said it earlier but just like he just seems like he's happy to come to New York he's happy to be in this position and he's gonna put in as much as work as he can hopefully that translates into continuing to be you know worth the eighth pick and and have as as much success as possible obviously 
Um, but I think, I mean, unless you guys have anything else you want to touch on about the draft, I think that was a pretty good uh, overview of what happened on Wednesday night. It, it, it feels like it was just yesterday and also feels like it was like a month ago. It was such a whirlwind of a day. I still don't fully know what happened, honestly. I will just say this. I do think I'm being more receptive to the OB pick because Killian was not available. Like if I was in Nick's position where my favorite player was still on the board and they took OB, I don't know how optimistic I would have been. Just wanted to put that caveat there. I feel you. As much as I love Denny and everybody knows that I'm so incredibly high on Denny. I also would have had a much harder time with this if this was Killian. I just think, I think Killian would have been better than Denny for the Knicks. Right. Yeah. Fit, just because of fit and, and need, I I would have been lo- – I would have loved Killian. That yeah, still, okay. still would have been – he was still number one on my Knicks-centric board. I really wanted Kira Lewis in that spot. My guys were Hayes, Kira, and Vassell were my three guys in this draft. And, you know, two of them were right there. But I understand. There's a consensus, you know. Kira would have been great. Yeah. I think Kira's going to be so much fun in New Orleans. I, w- I would have loved him in, in New York, but I, I they were never going to take him over over Obi or if any of those guys had fallen. I don't I know. Think- there was some good buzz with, like, a near the end, like, in the day or two before draft, there was some serious Kira to the to Kira to the Knicks buzz, actually. Yeah, I think. And you know what kind of annoys I, me I now? Is that unreasonable. Now seeing that Detroit signing every center walking planet Earth why the hell did they not take Obi too? I mean, they just took every power forward available. You might as well just take <laughs> Obi too and just leave Killian for everybody else. <laughs> uh, the Pistons are killing me. Like, actually physically killing me. I don't understand what's happening. Yeah, like, I don't know if... Maxie, I don't... Too, like, when when they took Isaiah Stewart instead of Maxi too, I was so upset. I was like, oh, uh-huh. man, like, the Pistons just created my dream backcourt. Like, they're going to get Maxi and Killian to run it? Like, <laughs> They're gonna have a backcourt of the future. Like I was so ready for that, and then they went Isaiah Stewart, and I was like, "What fucking idiots!" Like, <laughs> yeah. The Isaiah Stewart pick is kind of like the quickly pick to me, which is for a team that was very active. Did they need to take him that early? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't mind the location Stewart was taken, but yet now looking at their full roster, it is a bit confusing. So I am happy for Isaiah Stewart. I did like him. I'm happy for Isaiah Stewart, and I'm also happy for Jess. Right. <laughs> but I, I don't know if I, I see the value at that pick if they were going to trade and get 19 anyway. Just it feels like there were other places. That I don't know. I mean, what do I know? But I, I don't know if Isaiah was always going to be a, a pick in the teens if they, or if they could have waited a little longer. Yeah. And then Jess's point earlier, the free agency makes no sense to to put every penny you have into fours and fives and also have taken a big with the 16th pick of the draft. And Seku's not a great shooter either. That was probably their only talented player heading into the draft. So now it's pretty much just Killian staring at a wall because anyone that guards the Pistons in the perimeter needs to get shot. Well, I, I was rooting for the French duo of Frank and, and Killian, so I'm happy Sekou gets it. <laughs> yeah. Sekou's best position is 4-2, as that the 4 also. Yeah. He's going to be playing the 2 this year. He might – and Jeremy Grant's going to be playing the 3. It's 
they're not going to maximize anybody on that roster. That's really gross. Seriously. They got to be playing. But I, I want to say they got to be playing something, but like who's going to take, I don't, I just don't understand. I would think I would trade Julius Randle for Julio Okafor. Seriously. That's like a pretty bad, like wow. what are you going to get for Julio Okafor? Because you know, it's not going to work. Yeah. I mean, I think the one move they have would be Blake, but Blake seems borderline untradeable unless you're flipping him for a, another bad contract of Russ, John Wall, Kevin Love. I mean, I, I still want the three-team Blake, Russ, John Wall flip. That's that's my dream for, for the, rest of the offseason. That is a disgusting amount of money shifting hands. I don't know. All right. Well, guys, thank you for joining. Thank you for wrapping up this draft season. We literally are probably going to start about start talking about 2021 and like tomorrow. Uh, um, I'm ready yeah. to talk. Literally tomorrow. Yes. What'd you say, Nick? I said, I'm ready to talk Usman Garuba whenever you are. Of oh, Nick, let's do it. Let's set a time. I'm, I'm all in right now. <laughs> Let's set three hours aside. We're going to set three hours aside. Just talk Usman. Oh, God. Awesome. Maybe getting the uh, the uh, unlimited Zoom was a bad idea because we're just going to keep sending Kyle three-hour uh, <laughs> pods about Usman. Yeah. Man, when we do Cade, that's going to be like a six-hour pod. We're gonna yeah, it's gonna, that's a three-parter. You know, talking about all three levels of scoring for Cade, one per <laughs> podcast, it's fine. Is he going to stay in college? Just real quickly, I want to, like, drag it out. But is he staying in college or is he doing the G League thing too? Because I know – No, he's at Oklahoma State. He's still going to stay? Okay. I mean, as far as I know, he hasn't, no one's said anything yet. And college season literally starts in five days, so I'm guessing he's staying. Oh, wow. Really? Wow. Yeah. Like my – yeah. 2020. Thanksgiving Eve, for- baby. It's it's sure. it's either Thanksgiving Eve or Thanksgiving. Either way, I can't wait. I'm going home to Albany tomorrow, and me and my dad are just gonna be holed up in the basement watching basketball and eating obscene amounts of food. It's pretty much my dream. Yeah. I'm telling you, next next week, I'm at this time next week. Sharif Cooper is gonna be the the name everybody's talking about. I'm so excited to watch him. Okay. Oh well, I'm gonna throw that. I'm not even gonna see what team he's on. I'm just gonna Google it afterwards. I'm excited. <laughs> um, you know, I like him. Very, very fun point guard. Oh, okay. Now I'm very and Fats Russell. I'm excited I for some Fats, Fats Russell. Russell. Uh, That's a fucking Fats. elite. That is elite name. Like that and is. He's like, just so fun too. Is he chubby too? If he was like a chubby skinny kid, that would be hilarious. He what? Like, I think he was like really chubby, like when he was little. <laughs> I think I could be making that up. Maybe I, I just want that's where the story comes from, Jess. What? I said I believe that's where the name. Yeah. I, I think so. I think so. All right. So Nick, I'm guessing you don't have anything to plug. Maybe you do. Um, if you want to read about prospects the Knicks didn't take. <laughs> <laughs> or Obi Toppin, if you if you want to refresh around. Yeah, Obi you could go back to Nick's Obi Toppin piece that was I, written I a year ago. ago. So <laughs> a long time ago but you can see my less biased thoughts than you'll be hearing going forward. So I like it. I like it. 
Um, Harley, remind me, I, I kind of know what your Twitter is. I'm, I'm pretty sure I know what it is, but rem remind me slash the people where they can find you at. Hit me up at Gnarly Hefner. There it is. The G and the H flipped. Mm -hmm. uh, you got you got anything to plug these days? Um, nothing basketball related, but hey, read Passion of the Weiss. That's a, uh, I write about music over there, but hey. other than that, hey. We're into it. Well, for all your continuing uh, Knicks basketball needs. <laughs> there we go. Mike, what we got? Uh, nothing content-wise, unless it's breaking news. Um, but make sure you're following the Knicks wall on Instagram. We just added a person to run that, Pat Caulfield. So make sure you follow that. He's been doing a great job. And, yeah, keep following us on Twitter. Follow Jess, follow Nick, follow Harley. And you know the drill. Um, hit us with that follow on Twitch as well. Yes, that too. Hopefully going to keep uh, putting out some some content on there now that I've got the whole setup pretty much pretty much uh, ripping after draft night. I think it went pretty well. So we honestly may just like hop on there and play random games like Fortnite and Rocket League and then just talk Knicks. So it should be fun. Um, yeah, and that's about it for us. We will catch everyone on the next one. Peace.